This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Rashes on babies are inevitable. They can be pink bumps, bright red splotches, or something else altogether. Each one tells us something different about how the skin is irritated. I'm Frederick Johnson, former chief of pediatrics at Sharp Mary Birch Hospital for Women and Newborns, and today we're talking all about rashes. This is Parent Savers, episode 93. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Did you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome, everybody, to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Parent Savers is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for parents from the newborn years through kindergarten. I'm your host, John O'Reill. Thanks again to all of our loyal listeners who join us week in and week out, and thanks to those of you listening for the first time. As you may know, you can listen to our Parent Savers Club, you can uh, join our Parent Savers Club, and you'll receive access to special bonus content after each new show, plus some other special uh special aspects as well of being a member so make sure to check that out if you're liking what we're doing please join us and get the extra awesome goodies if you haven't already please make sure to download the free parent savers app you can get it for android and iphone um, and ipad and then you'll automatically have access to all the great parenting advice and conversation we have on parent savers every week let's start today's conversation by meeting everyone who's joining us in the room to talk all about rashes um, i'm john o'reel i'm your host i have three boys a seven-year-old a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and really it's the two-year-old that's given us the pro- most problems with the rashes. So it's uh, the, the third just gets it all, and I feel like I'm saying that every week. It's the two-year-old. It's the two-year-old. <laughs> but he's he's a rashy guy as well. Um, so yeah, how about you guys? <laughs> um, hey, everyone. I'm Sunny. I'm mommy to four children now. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old, an almost two-year-old, and twin identical girls. Uh, my older two children are boys, so two and two. And I'm the owner of New Mommy Media, which produces this show as well as a few others. Yeah, happy to be here. I my, All of my kids have had rashes. Well, actually, not the girls. The girls have not had any real rashes yet. Of course, they're two-and-a-half months old, so that's, they just haven't grown into their rash stage yet. Um, actually, my middle guy is uh he's he gets a lot of the diaper kind of rashes so yeah i got a lot of questions about that mm, the nose crinkled when you said that oh i know <laughs> so i'm erin um otherwise known as og mamacita officially geriatric that's right and i have one boy he's two ish um and yeah funky rashes he's Woo-hoo. rash-ish he's rash-ish yeah <laughs> and then dr johnson uh, I actually am, I guess, OG also. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and I win the award. I have five kids. Ooh, nice. Yeah. But my uh, youngest is 27. Got so, it. Are we going to uh, talk about their rashiness? Nope. <laughs> I, I hope you don't know much about their rashes. <laughs> I have five and a half grandchildren. <gasps> oh, nice. One's Aww, due in June. That's cool. So I still see rashes all the time. <laughs> of course, in the office, too. 
This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Now we have a question from Robin. Robin writes, We bought this beautiful crib bedding for our first child, complete with the mobile that hangs over the crib. And now with our second child, the mobile seems to be a bit of a problem. Our toddler likes to disassemble it, and I'm worried our nine-month-old baby may get hurt in the process, especially if it happens at night since they sleep in the same room. Have there been any reports about mobiles being dangerous? Hi, this is Julie Valise, child safety expert. Robin, I researched the Consumer Product Safety Commission's database that provides information on a variety of products and reports of injury. The database is a sample of cases and is based on a reporting system through hospitals across the country. Having looked back at approximately five years, there are maybe five or six entries regarding mobiles. The injuries include minor lacerations or the mobile falling on an infant's head. Having said that, I think it's important to recognize that a mobile is made up of a number of different cords or strings, which could be easy for a toddler and an infant to get entangled in. While there are no cases that I can find that point to entanglement or worse, if there's a chance that a mobile might become unattached and end up in the crib, it might be a good idea to remove it altogether. I hope that's helpful. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today's topic is baby skin conditions, all about rashes. And we're talking with Dr. Frederick Johnson, the former chief of pediatrics at Chart Mary Birch Hospital for Women and Newborns. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. So let's start generally talking about baby skin and toddler skin and what it's going through and why it gets rashes. Well, first of all, I think uh, with baby skin... Um, just like the rest of the baby, the skin goes through a transition uh, in the newborn period, and you may have uh, rashes, which for the vast majority are completely harmless, harmless and self-limited. Um, they occur because the skin's going through uh, changes in circulation, um, uh, new exposures, things like that. And so you get these rashes, um, I'm sure a lot of uh, parents have seen a rash right on the second or third day of life mm -hmm. and go, what is this? Uh, and generally, it's a rash called erythema toxicum, which is completely self-limited, and by the end of the first week, disappears. Um, why you get rashes after the newborn period, there's a list, uh, probably a few hundred things that could cause that. <laughs> right. And so... Um, I think every uh, practitioner goes through a sort of system check when you see a rash. Um, 
I think it's interesting little story. Uh, back when I was in med school, they used to have dermatology rounds. And so you'd get 20, 25 dermatologists and there'd be a patient in every room. And they had to come to some consensus about what each patient had and they never could. (laughs) (laughs) So rashes sometimes are challenging and sometimes we go through our system approach and we still don't know what caused it or why it's there, but uh, we send them on sometimes to the dermatologist who may not know what's (laughs) causing this and sometimes even has to take a little biopsy to figure out what is this? Yeah. Or a culture. But for the most part, I mean, if we if we go to the doctor with the rash, you could figure it out or Oh yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, usually I mean there's like just a, there's a fungal and then there's an abrasive, right? I mean, those are Well, there's inflammatory, the- there's infectious, there's fungal, um, there's contact, something you've come in contact with that uh, irritated that irritated okay. the skin. Uh, so again, you go through that kind of approach. Uh, Deduction. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, because I'm an OG, <laughs> um, it was interesting just uh, about a month ago, there was a mom that came into her OB, and she's like 38 weeks, and she had a rash, which they couldn't understand what it was. And so the OB came down to pediatrics and said, can you come look at a rash? <laughs> uh, because they couldn't find the skin doctor at the time. And I went up and looked at it, and it turned out that the mom had chicken pox. Oh. Oh. Which, at uh, 38 weeks, was um, kind of scary. a red flag. Yeah, for sure. So we ended up treating the mom, and uh, she delivered a healthy baby without chicken pox. Okay. If she hadn't been treated, there was probably a 20% chance of mortality <gasps> Oh, wow, for oh, the baby. Oh, my goodness. So sometimes rashes are... And were you able to just kind of show up and say, that looks like chicken pox? Yeah, but, it- you know, I showed up and did it because there's a systematic approach again. You yeah, know, chicken pox, uh, sort of its hallmark is it's itchy, uh, but all the different uh, marks are in different stages. Mm. They're not all in the same stage at the same time. Um, and then you go through the history of you ever had chicken pox, and she hadn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you sort of match the history to what you see and come up with a diagnosis. Got it. Wow. Crazy. That, that is. Um, what is. What is, so we're throwing about a bunch of terms, inflammatory, abrasive, fungal, and in researching, you know, getting ready for the show, there's all sorts of, there's so many different types of rashes. There um, are. So can, let's maybe just talk about a few of them and maybe that'll help some of the listeners know what they're looking at or if they've been concerned about rashes. If there's a fungus among us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Creepy. (laughs) Right. Um, Well, sometimes you have to um, look at rashes. So the neonatal period uh, from birth to 28 days, if there's a rash. After that, uh, because babies are exposed to this new environment, there could be all sorts of things that come up. Uh, from inflammatory rashes like eczema. Um, Is there a family history of allergy? Um, What are they washing the baby with? Where does the baby lie lie or sleep? 
what kind of materials are around them. Um, are there other kids around who might be able to transmit uh, rashes? Well, what makes it inflammatory? I mean, is it like raised off the skin? Is that it what can be raised? Means? It can be red. It can be uncomfortable. But of course, most babies can't reach over and scratch themselves, so they may. Uh, move around in their bedding or in their uh, blanket, sort of like they're uncomfortable. Hmm. Uh, so it can be um, can be raised, can be red. And the other thing uh, about rashes is always, where is it? The distribution or location? Is it on the arms and the neck and the face? Yeah. Is it all over? Uh, is it something you think is external, something that uh, the baby has been in contact with, or is it internal, something that from within that's causing the rash? Um, there are just... Each rash is its own CSI episode. <laughs> it's very much like that. It's very much like that. You become Sherlock Holmes, and you try and go through each little clue because the baby's not going to tell you. Yeah. Uh, so you try and figure out from where it's located, what it looks like, um, how long it's been there, uh, and hopefully come up with a correct diagnosis and treatment if needed. Right. And our, and we'll talk about, after we take a break, some of the treatments, but um, what about, you know, blisters? Like if somebody showed up with blisters, that's a... Well, blisters... Uh, Again, it has to do with uh, distribution. Uh, one of the things uh, I try and do is through that systematic approach I use is can I describe this rash to somebody without them looking at it and make them visualize what the rash is. Hmm. So uh, a blister, single blister is one thing. If blisters are in groups or clusters, uh, then, especially in the newborn period, you become very concerned about things like herpes. Mm. And herpes is another uh, thing that you have to address right away. Yeah. Uh, especially in the newborn period because uh, the herpes virus can not only affect the skin, it can affect other organs, including the brain. So are blisters the biggest red flag that you might see or is oozing a red like what are some of the big warning signs of a blisters especially in clusters or groups yeah. one big warning sign just a flat red rash sometimes with a bluish hue that occupies say a single limb or around the eye uh, or the orbit uh, is another one that uh, we become quite concerned with because if the circulation of these rashes uh, is apparent externally, there may be some problem internally. Right. And so if it's slightly bluish, it might mean that it's impeding blood flow? Well, that uh, there is blood flow, and is there abnormal blood flow below that rash, okay. especially around the brain? Yikes. Yeah, that, that, that <laughs> just, I never put those two together. I never thought of a rash being anything other than red. You know, I right. never thought of it having a discoloration like that. Yeah, so that would be a big warning sign. Yeah, rashes can be red, but they can sometimes just be skin colored. Uh, there are some rashes, um, and you know, rashes sort of, I guess you could call them skin lesions, but mm -hmm. uh, there are some rashes that may be indicative of a problem now, 
there are rashes that may be indicative of a problem later. There are some rashes, like on the scalp, it looks like an orange peel. Yeah. There's a certain nevus uh, that uh, you want to address right away also. Well, are there any rashes that you, that there's some symptoms that you're like, all right, that's probably not that big of a deal. We just need to deal with it. Because we're talking about scary rashes. But, you know, if it's just... You know, if it's just a little red patchy area on a couple places on the body or... Well, again, you go through your systematic approach. Right. And you try and figure out what's causing this rash. Um, we see a lot of kids, especially in the uh, infant stage, who have early eczema. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a very common problem. So you try and figure out what's irritating the skin or the child. Is it what they're eating is it what they're touching is it the air <laughs> right it, is it the air <laughs> <laughs> is it excessive drooling brought on by teething which was one of the questions right? yeah. that i got from facebook yeah so this mother is saying that her child broke out in a rash around his mouth and down his neck mm-hmm. and it kind of looked like eczema but she wasn't sure and it it came along the same time that his excessive drooling started. Which could be more irritative. And then, you know, you, you kind of think of saliva as just sort of innocuous, et cetera. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it does contain remnants of what you've eaten. Uh, at times it can be acidic, and that's what's causing the irritation, too, on the skin. Uh, as they get older, sometimes you have to go into what they've eaten because certain foods, the juice of that, when they get gets on the skin and they're exposed to the light, they'll break out. Oh. Like citrus. Wow. That reminded me of my seven-year-old is a rashy one, actually. He, <laughs> he, what he, and with the saliva, he's got this crazy long tongue. Like, he can touch the he's tip like of his Gene nose Simmons. with his tongue. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. But so he, you know. He'll be kids, popular. Kids lick their lips. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> right. That's the Valentine's Day episode. Um, but uh, he licks his lips. And so, but instead of just having it right around his oh, lips where hysterical. he gets a rash. He gets like this huge goatee of rash. Like a clown smile. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other thing that sometimes can come from the mouth, though, and uh, you know, sometimes you see it as thrush, is uh, fungal elements. Um, and so fungi always live in your mouth, in your whole gut, and sometimes those can cause the irritation too. And sometimes you have to even take a little scraping or do a little test on the skin to see if it's fungal or whether it's just skin that's irritated. All right. Well, let's take a quick break here. We've talked a lot. I'm, we're all probably itching and feeling very <laughs> uncomfortable in our skin. Um, so let's talk about treating it when we come back. And I think we've got a couple more questions from you all on Facebook. So we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're talking about baby skin conditions, all about rashes with Dr. Frederick Johnson. Thanks for joining us. So we're going to talk about um, treatments. But before we do, Dr. Johnson just told us that he can make us itch. And so Aaron was like, no way. And I'm like, let's do it. So let's, let's see. Let's see. All I have to say is one word. Oh, oh. No. scabies. <laughs> but what if you don't know? I really don't know exactly what scabies are. I don't really know what scabies well, yeah, are. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's just a bad word. What is scabies? Scabies is a mite that can burrow into the skin. <gasps> <laughs> 
I'm totally scratching over here. Oh, and it's extremely itchy. And so whenever you see that in the office, all the nurses start scratching and oh, I start yeah. scratching. And oh, gosh. Totally treatable, but... Ugh. Yeah. Oh, gross. <laughs> but, uh, so see, I thought As it was a doctor, gonna... you can't do that in the room, though. The, he just did a shutter, like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that in the room. No, I have to leave the room. <laughs> yeah, and they go... Oh. See, I think for me, the, the bed bugs, saying bed oh. bugs would incite much more of a, like, a creepy... It's sort of the same principle, having a bug on your skin and Hello. causing... No, under your no, skin is much worse than, than yeah. on yeah. Your, skin. your skin. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, let's talk about treating scabies or um, other things. Is there any... Um, is there any magic ointment that you can recommend that is for parents to have on hand? Um, well, that's part of one of the Facebook questions oh, was great. that um, somebody had commented that their grandmother used to put a combination of butter and baking soda. Mm. Kind of like the Windex. In the <laughs> no, on a, like any. You can any do sort that, but you have to flip them over. <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't do that in Palm Springs in the summer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but she's saying that she used to put it on everything, like the slightest inflammation. Be like, oh, here's some baking soda and, and butter. I, I, that's all I got. Well, you know, <laughs> sometimes you hear those old sort of wives' tales and remedies, mm-hmm. right. and. They actually, some of them, I won't say baking soda and butter, but (laughs) might have some purpose. For instance, like the acidic drool. Mm -hmm. If you can reduce the acidity, you can reduce the inflammation. And so baking powder might actually do that, and butter is just the adherent for it. Gotcha. Won't work for everything. I think that I'm going to start carrying around a spray bottle of tequila. And become an eccentric grandparent. I'm convinced. Oh, let me spray some tequila. There you go. You'll have to (laughs) keep it in the trunk. You'll have to keep it in the trunk because if you ever get pulled over, it'll be an open container. That's true. (laughs) But as far as some uh, magic potion for everything, uh, there just isn't. Yeah, it's obviously asking for a lot. But are things that can be useful for a lot of rushes? Honey. Uh, Honey. Honey? Really? Sweetie? Are you sorry? Where are we going with this? Yes, dear. (laughs) Honey? Actually, you know, for, and it kind of depends. I mean, if you have a family history of eczema or allergies and um, both sides of the family, it may not be a bad idea just to have, this is more for infants, uh, Benadryl available and uh, over-the-counter hydrocortisone. Okay. Just to have and be able to yeah. put on. Just to have it around, sort of in your uh, first aid kit. Like um, Vaseline, is that something that's helpful or are there other Well, moisturizers things? are amazingly helpful. You know, we all have this, uh, or a lot of people do, have this idea that if you put a moisturizer on once during the day, that's all you need. Mm-hmm. So most of those moisturizers within a few hours or within a few hours, sometimes minutes, gone. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you have to reapply it. So having a good moisturizer, hypoallergenic, non-scented, would also be good. He just described honey. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the flies and the bees, you know, <laughs> and the stickiness oh aspect. Well, that's why you put gauze over it, you know. I'm just saying. I like honey. <laughs> do, you, do you put I, honey I, on yeah. cash? I put honey on, on burns and... Um, I actually use it as a facial and, uh, yeah, all kinds of stuff. Now, there's honey. What kind of honey do you use? Raw honey. Okay, because uh, <laughs> under a year of age, we don't like using... Oh, correct. Yes, he's two-ish. Okay. 
Yes. She's got a hive in her backyard. She just goes in <laughs> every time. Yeah. <laughs> but they do put honey in a lot of skin products. Yeah. Yeah. And in soaps and shampoos and stuff. And yeah. cereal. <laughs> and toast. Um, we talked abrasive. a little about causes for alarm um, with the blisters and the lesions. Um, so what would you do in that case? Is it antibiotics or? Uh, depending on, you know, what I see. And sometimes we can do skin cultures to find out what's going on. Uh, we may use antibiotics either topically or by mouth. Um, if a rash is spreading, uh, if let's say you have a red rash that one day looks the size of a penny and the next day it's the size of a quarter, that's probably cause for alarm. Okay. Mm. If, if you can see the growth. Rapid yeah, especially growth. if the rapid growth. Right. Because it should be, if it was an irritation, it would be irritated or not and not necessarily this spreading thing. Right. Uh, and then, of course, the skin is actually the largest uh, organ you have in the body that fights disease. Um, so any break in the skin, and you're liable to get some secondary infection. So you want to watch for that also. And, of course, if there's any pus coming from it, uh, if the child is febrile, doesn't want to use that area let's say it's on right. the, the arm or the leg and all of a sudden they don't want to walk or use the arm then that's cause for alarm too febrile is that feverish right f- okay does uh water provide relief for a lot of rashes or can it be bad for some rashes i guess you'd have to ask what's in the water <laughs> <laughs> tequila right, right tequila. <laughs> well, i mean i mean uh, tap water or swimming and swimming can probably exacerbate some rashes right well swimming of course if you're swimming in a pool, in a pool then yeah. it's not just water it's water right, plus chlorine. some chemical chemical in it right so that can be irritating there. just being out in the sun along with that could be irritating uh again you have to go through sort of a whole yeah. checklist of uh what why, led up to this <laughs> that's why you go to med school and why we're <laughs> While we're interrogating you. Can can I just ask specifically about diaper rashes? Because I feel like that's a huge thing that our audience is dealing with probably on a somewhat regular basis. So when you see a diaper rash, you know, they've got all these creams and lotions and without using a bunch of, you know, brand names or whatever. Like, is there something that you recommend? I I, I find that... um, you know, I, I use A and D on my mm-hmm. kids quite a bit to try to create that barrier. So, you know, if I don't get to their diaper right away or whatever, you know, it's not eating away at their skin. So I try to do that What's kind A&D? of. What's A and D? Oh, A and D ointment. So, what ointment. does that stand for? I don't even know. Do you know? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but it's called so, A and D. So, so right. every time you change a diaper, you put yes. ointment on. Yes. Sort I do. of the it's a barrier um, protects. Even if you don't see a rash. Even if you I don't just... see a rash, I do it preemptively. Uh, people have used A and D. Sometimes they use Desitin. The primary agent in practically all of these is zinc oxide, and it creates a barrier uh, that can uh, prevent further infection or uh, irritation. Uh, with diaper rashes, it's sort of important to me, where is the diaper rash? Is it around the genitals? Is it around the anus, or is it around both? Mm-hmm. Uh, usually if it's around the genitals and it's kind of splotchy red and there's little bumps around it, that's usually a yeast infection. Mm. And so the barrier creams wouldn't help with that. 
So you might want to try an antifungal. Uh, if it's around the anus and it's bright red and it's um, very uncomfortable, once you touch it and the baby's just wincing or starts crying, then there might be what we call a strep infection, which is bacteria. Mm-hmm. And so that we would treat differently with uh, either, again, topical or oral antibiotic. Yeah, my my oldest actually had that, and I think it was for like a progression of a diaper rash that just got worse. And I kept trying to just use A and D and you know my my normal drill, and it just wasn't and those working. Those weren't the right things. Yeah, and we had to get like a topical antibiotic to put on it. And then there's another one that's over the counter. I think it's just called um, triple antibiotic. Right. Okay, so that kind of is my in between go to um, where. I don't think it's something that the doctor has to see yet, but A&D is not working. <laughs> I've got like a method here. Um, and then I think, is that more for like if it if it starts to be a little open woundish, does that does that help in that kind of? You mean the triple antibiotic? Yeah, triple antibiotic. It can help with that. But again, if it's starting to spread and the baby's becoming more irritable, then uh, may need more than that. Okay. Usually I'll go to that before, you know, because like, you know, it gets to a stage where, okay, my my son doesn't want me to touch him. Then I'll reach for the triple antibiotic and put that on him. And then in a day or so, if it's not looking better, then that's when I call the doctor. And if the rash is like a diaper rash that isn't what I described as fungal and it's not around the anus, there's maybe a splotch or two, the best thing is not water, but air. Hmm just leaving the diaper open and letting it air dry sometimes is uh, uh, immensely helpful. Got it. Nothing else might be dry around the kid <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> right. Well, you have to be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like um, when our kids have gone on antibiotics before, the doctors have tried to give us some preemptive measures to prevent diaper rash too mm-hmm. um, the, because they knew that that was going to make them uh, – have diarrhea or I think mm. just really be really prone to the diaper rash. I think there was a culture they rec- streptol what well, not streptococcus, but um so something at the health food store or yogurt. Um, oh, have you ever heard oh, of that? Acidophilus. Acidophilus. Yeah, not streptococcus. <laughs> that would be a really bad here, why did it take some E. coli and that'll make you feel great. <laughs> Eat some food, um, yeah. But so I mean are there things the preemptive measures to help prevent rashes? Well, you know, using uh, probiotics or uh, things like that have been immensely helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, not 100%, but uh, it's always worth a try. And then sometimes uh, if you're getting a lot of diaper rash, you know, just asking yourself why. Yeah. Uh, is it that you only see a diaper rash when the kid comes home from daycare or... Do you see the diaper rash at home? Because it may just be a function of how often is their diaper changed. Because, you know, poop has a lot of bacteria in it. And there's a lot of things that, pardon the word, get dumped into the diaper. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, sometimes can be very irritative and uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. I think that was a good point to bring up, Sonny, for sure. Um, So uh, let's... We've talked, I guess, about, about a lot of over-the-counter medicines. Are there any kind of final recommendations that you'd recommend for parents to have on hand to have in their medicine cabinet and be ready? Maybe they call the nurse hotline and they'll say, oh, this is maybe what you need. Well, just like I talked about my system for looking at rashes, when you try and describe a rash to someone else, especially mm-hmm. over the phone, um, 
try and remember how long it's been there, what it looks like, uh, where it is, and if it's spread. Uh, and just have that information available, and sometimes we can just take it from there. Okay. Uh, one of the things that uh, has happened and will probably be happening a lot more in the future is telemedicine, uh, which means... Uh, you know, we all have smartphones and iPads, et cetera, and you can actually, if you get the right resolution, uh, take a picture of the rash and yeah. send it to the doctor, and they can send back what they think it is. Oh, wow. That and whether or not you need to be seen or not. So it may save you an office visit, but uh, the problem sometimes is just the resolution because most uh, phones aren't, they don't really capture the picture, the image, the like you'd like, and you need the lighting to be right and right. see some of the detail. But it is interesting, and I something that we forget. We've got these cameras in our pocket, take pictures of things, and that could help even when you go. And then some parents will do that and bring it into the office right. if they come in, and that really kind of helps. Well, that's actually what we'll talk about for our bonus content for our listeners. Is if you are going to go to the doctor's office, what you can do to help present to the doctor and give them the information. So we'll wrap up today's conversation uh, with Dr. Johnson. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, for more information about the topic, you can go to our website, uh, parentsavers.com. And you can also join our Parent Savers Club there, where you can have access to our great bonus content, where we talk about topics in a bit more depth, or we add a bonus question at the end. And this week, we're going to talk more about what to do when you do go to the doctor's office. What are some good things to bring in? So thanks so much for joining us. We'll be right back. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable. With stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft. Made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hello, Parent Savers. I'm Brian Miller. I'm the owner of Geppetto's Toy Stores here in San Diego. And I'm going to talk to you about toys for your six-month-old to about one-year-old. Toys for that age are so exciting. At that age, your children are just exploring everything with their fingers, with their toes, with their mouths. The more colorful, the better. Things that are easy to grasp. At that six-month age, your child's really learning their pincer grasp, their forefinger and their thumb. So things that are easy to pick up are a great small motor skill for that age. Teething. Part of exploration is putting things in their mouth. So you want to make sure they're safe. You want to make sure no small parts. Don't put any toys in the freezer because that'll hurt their gums. But a cold toy sometimes feels good. Things that are, are that are made for teething are really important. Also, your child's larger motor skills are working at that time. At about six months to nine months, they're sitting up. So things that can sit on the floor where they're going to play with them, maybe nesting blocks or soft stacking blocks, something that can stack and they can tumble over, that's very fun. Also, time on their tummy. Tummy time is really important. So things with sound cause your child to turn and listen and see what's going on. At the end of that stage, sort of nine months to a year, cause and effect. Kids love seeing what you can what you can do and make a toy change or make it make noise. So this toy telephone, by turning the knob, making it ring, that's a cause and effect toy. Also, peekaboo, object permanence. When you see something and it's gone and then it comes back. That's why kids love peekaboo. That's a skill they're learning, object permanence. And then as they're going toward a year, larger motor skills. They're starting to walk. They're starting to crawl. 
when they're crawling something as simple as a ball can motivate a child to crawl and then as they begin to walk they're going to be cruising so walking around a table or even a walker that's very very stable is great for a child of that age you can visit our website geppettostoys.com for more information or for future ideas listen to parent savers for more toy tips in the future That wraps things up for today's episode of Parent Savers. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Don't forget to check out our other New Mommy Media shows. There's Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, The Boob Group for Moms Who Breastfeed, and Twin Talks uh, for Parents of Multiples. Next week, we're going to be talking about picky eaters, which is a topic that, just like rashes, I think all of us are dealing with um, in our kids. And if not then everybody hates you because you have a kid that's not a picky eater. <laughs> no, but, you must be from. <laughs> this is Parent Savers Empowering New Parents. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care, and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.